Hawaii Up for May 27, 2005. Aloha and Annyeonghaseyo. This is Hawaii Up, show number 13. Uh, Ryan is my uh, name and, and podcasting is my game. And I'm coming at you from the eerily picturesque suburban town of Mililani, Hawaii. We're heading into a long weekend. Hallelujah for that, huh? Uh, just loving thinking about the potential and the possibilities of those three days relaxing many many naps trips to the beach and of course uh, remembering the sacrifices people have made to bring us the freedoms we enjoy and to remember those that are serving our country right now what have i got on the menu today well i've got some music i want to share with you some stuff by a band that's bringing the hawaiian sound to california we'll chat uh, with the wife about lost it's the last episode so it's our last lost cast for a while um, I'll introduce you to a great guy. I, uh, he's an incurable and impressively obsessed road geek uh, who's visiting Hawaii from Washington, D.C. And uh, if there's some time, there's actually another song I'd like to share from a fellow I just got in contact with today. He might be familiar to those of you who remember the music scene here maybe 10 or 11 years ago. But uh, first, as always, let's get to... Hawaii Up headlines around Hawaii and around the house. Pedestrians were uh, big news this week. Uh, actually, all year, uh, we've been hearing news reports uh, all the time about pedestrians getting killed, getting whacked, senior citizens, uh, kids. So uh, this year, lawmakers decided to do something about it, or, or at least that's the story. And uh, there's a new law concerning pedestrians and crosswalks. I know to uh, celebrate this great step forward in uh, public safety, they had a big press conference right there on the sidewalk outside the KITD studios, very convenient placement, and uh, Lieutenant Governor Duke Iona was there on uh, the side of South King Street. Now, the old law uh, before said that drivers need to only slow down or yield when a pedestrian is on their half of the road, and uh, so I think, or if I remember correctly, Governor Lingle said the law should be that cars have to stop as long as someone is anywhere in a crosswalk, which sounds reasonable to me. In fact, I thought that was what the law was. Um, but uh, I guess as it turns out, it had to be watered down because far be it for our Democratic legislature to give a Republican governor exactly what she wants. So uh, I, for no apparent reason, they said, well, we're changing the laws to say that cars have to stop if someone's on their half of the road. So basically this big press conference was changing the words yield to stop, but they left in the half of the road, you know, disclaimer, which as far as I'm concerned makes it kind of pointless. You know, it, the the half of the road thing basically turns every pedestrian into a walking yellow light. Some drivers will see a pedestrian as a sign that they need to slow down and stop, and others will see them and say, well, I've got to zip past them or, you know, weave around them. And I just have a strange feeling that nothing's actually going to get any better. Uh, but, you know, they were very proud and happy. And at this press conference, while KITV was filming and, and while Lieutenant Governor Iona was speaking, they actually had a close call with a pedestrian in the crosswalk. And, uh, you know, after the show, Duke uh, got to cross over the street himself but he had no problems because he was surrounded by his big burly 
bodyguards. And the best part was that uh, KITV had the camera on his big black SUV as he drove away, and he zipped through that same crosswalk while there was a pedestrian in it. Of course, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't get a ticket. What really took the cake was the very next day, KITV followed up with yet another piece, but this one was on unmarked crosswalks. Uh, unmarked crosswalks, I mean, I'm not, I just can't wrap my brain around that concept, but basically there are apparently supposed to be crosswalks at various intersections all around Honolulu, uh, where I guess we just have to imagine that there's a crosswalk because they, they never got around to repainting them, or actually they never painted them in the first place. Uh, I mean, I don't know, I, I would think that parallel lines are pretty basic a requirement to define a crosswalk. Uh, I mean, I think pedestrians need to protect it, but how is a driver supposed to know where a crosswalk should be? You know, what's next? Uh, it, invisible stop signs, virtual, no left turn signs. Uh, I mean, I don't get it. So, I mean, as far as I can tell, I guess under Jeremy Boondoggle Harris, we had enough uh, money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, to uh, put up these fancy, expensive neighborhood signs, you know, like a sign in Nuuanu that says, Welcome to Nuuanu, so you know where you are. Uh, but, you know, not enough money for a few stripes of white paint to keep folks from, from getting killed. Of course, uh, I should say that careless or speeding drivers are, are only part of the story. Um, on one of the sites I run, Hawaii Threads, a discussion board, uh, folks were pretty pretty blunt about putting a lot of the blame on, on pedestrians or stupid pedestrians, too. Um, it turns out a lot of the high-profile stories that we've been hearing, in fact, have actually been about people who were darting across roads where they shouldn't or way outside of crosswalks. They say that um, maybe, at best, a quarter of the pedestrians killed by cars were in crosswalks. The rest were definitely jaywalking. Hey, you know, uh, last week I was talking about kids setting fires, and just this week there was another fire and another teenager behind it, although this one turned himself in. Anyway, I had said offhand that people here are, are really sensitive to graffiti. You know, my wife was like, just, just cut off their hands. And, uh, well, I'm not sure if I'd go that far, but it really is, you know, a stupid crime. It, uh, it's, it's advertising one's stupidity and, 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 and ego. It's expensive. It's ugly. Anyway, uh, last week there was some graffiti at Kapa'a High School. Uh, and it turns out that it was some seniors at the school that had sprayed graffiti all over the campus, not just, you know, one night or one time, but across several days. The principal said it was uh, the worst graffiti he'd seen in the 30-something years he'd been there. Um, but these kids were caught. They were nabbed by campus security guards. So, uh, you know, get this, the school didn't call the cops. So, you know, they didn't get suspended or a police record. The kids will get to graduate. They'll get their diploma next month, but uh, they won't get to walk in the graduation ceremony. That's their punishment. And, uh, you know, man, you'd think the school administration had, had introduced uh, puppy kicking as a sport or something. I mean, folks are howling out there. Oh, but graduation is so special. Or, you know, my family is flying out here to see me walk. I mean, God, these kids, they, they, they made a public apology. They posted sorry signs uh, all over campus. They, they, were, they, they actually got to paint for a good reason. They repainted the stripes in the parking lot. So, I, I don't know, I guess folks are saying that, oh, the punishment is too harsh. They, they, 
taking their graduation ceremony away from them will scar them for life. You know, I mean, jumping Jesus on a pogo stick. I mean, we're living in a time where where nothing is anyone's fault. I know, but I mean, in this case, what what could possibly be a mitigating circumstance? You know, these these aren't shiny, pimply faced freshmen either. These are seniors. They. They know how to read, I would hope. They can look up criminal property damage. You know, criminal, it's a crime. And it's not, it's not like they did it out of desperation or addiction or mental illness, but, but because they're idiots, uh, the school has to repaint. They're saying they're going to put in a fence. They're thinking about security cameras. All that money could go to books or desks or, or working toilets, but instead they have to spend the money because these kids kids were idiots. These kids are getting off without charges. They're getting their diploma, and, and now they're the victims uh, you know, it's times like this that I'm sure the ACLU wants to, to, to revoke my membership because, you know, I'm all pro-freedom and speech and whatever, but I'm sorry. I'm also anti-stupid. And, and, and frankly, you know, sometimes I think the laws in this state are so wimpy, you know, they make me want to cry sometimes. Uh, this whole thing reminds me of the, of these gloomy, uh, threatening public service announcements that they're airing out here that talk about what happens if you're caught drunk driving and are also underage. You know, the voice tries to be all menacing and it says, Your license will be suspended for six months. I mean, that's it? You know, I mean... <laughs> Take their car away, sell it at an auction, and, and revoke the license. Make them ride the bus for five years. You know, driving under the influence is stupid, but underage DUI, I mean, that's like, that's that stupid squared. Uh, I mean, don't throw them into jail. Don't spend any money on them. Just make money on their cars and, and just make sure they're uncool at their school. That's all they really care about anyway. Oh, man. Now, summer's here, and that means it's time for... Dr. Beach and his best beaches list. Uh, you know, Dr. Beach is Dr. Stephen Leatherman. He basically gets headlines in all these cities that he names as having the best beaches because he was the first to claim that he can rank the best beaches, which, uh, well, which all helps him sell his book on America's best beaches. You know, I, I'm pretty skeptical and I go to his website and there's pictures of him holding a stethoscope to a conch shell. So, uh, you know, I figure he's just some kind of weirdo, but actually he's a professor of environmental studies at Florida International University, and I guess he does all kinds of actual research and stuff on beaches for the feds and stuff. Anyway, so I guess he takes uh, 50 criteria and a list of 600 public beaches, and this year, three Hawaii beaches were in the top 10. Uh, number three was Hanalei Bay on Kauai, Fleming Beach on Maui was number five, and uh, Hamoa Beach, also on Maui, was number 10. Now, Dr. Beach gets a lot of press out here, obviously, because Hawaii beaches are always on his list. But, you know, one thing that I've always thought was problematic is that in his system, once your beach is number one, you're out of the running forever. That beach is off the list. Uh, and, you know, Hawaii beaches have, have been number one ten out of 14 times uh, since 91. Hanama Bay last year, Ka'anapali Beach uh, the year before, Poipu Beach in 2001, you know, actually, we're almost lucky to not have the number one on this year's list because at this rate, if we keep getting number one, we'll be missing from his list entirely in a few years. Uh, and, you know, another thing I noticed is that the other years where Hawaii isn't number one, they're all Florida, which, uh, considering Dr. Beach is in Florida, kind of makes you wonder about, I don't know, home field advantage in this supposedly scientific exercise. Okay, well, what's up at home? Frankly, not a heck of a lot. Things have been pretty low-key. 
everybody's basically recovering. We've all still got coughs or sniffles or something. Katie had a tooth pulled. Uh, of course, I rewarded her with ice cream, you know, to continue that cycle of insanity. Actually, her tooth was a uh, baby tooth blocking uh, another tooth. She's also been complaining about her legs aching a lot. So uh, we took her to get an x-ray this week, but they haven't found anything. I'm pretty sure, as weird as this sounds, that, you know, she's just in a growth spurt. I think she's actually feeling her legs stretch. She's just getting so tall. Zach, well, uh, you know, next weekend is his third birthday party. My head is already getting sympathy aches uh, when I think about the noise. Chuck E. Cheese, boy, you know, that's exactly the kind of overstimulation that kids crave. But I really think they should give free aspirin with their pizza to adults. Uh, Zach had his last of the checks with the last of the experts trying to determine his speech development and things like that. You know, I know the... State government, as a as a general entity, gets a bad rap for doing everything wrong. But you know, at least with the partnerships and social services set up for kids, I gotta say I'm I'm really impressed. The folks have been nice and understanding. They do house calls. They come here. You know. Anyway, uh, they've been checking Zach out, and the consensus is that he's he's bright and he can hear fine. And that uh, while he's not speaking too clearly, there's there's nothing really wrong, which is which is definitely a relief. You know, absolutely. But uh, it's also kind of a bummer because, you know, while the whole process is going on, they keep trying to offset the fear of something being wrong by saying, well, the silver lining is, you know, you'll get uh, free special ed preschool if, if there's something wrong. So, you know, we're glad to hear that he should be okay. Absolutely. But we're, we're, we're we were kind of looking forward to getting him into preschool. Now we'll probably uh, just enroll him separately, provided we can scrape the money together. As for Alex, well, he's, you know, doing the baby thing. He's scooching around on his stomach, cruising along on the couch. He's eating everything he can get his hands on and now actually gets very upset and noisy. You know, he starts screaming if he doesn't get to eat what he sees us all eating. If you've got him in your hand and you're trying to put something in your mouth, he's going to intercept it. You know, it seems like he's growing every day. I mean, I'm surprised every time I come home, it looks like he's a lot bigger than he was when I left. Just the other night, I rolled over, and he was in bed, and I bumped into him, and I started talking to him before I realized that he wasn't Zach. <sighs> but uh, for now, let's get to the music. This band is called Island Rhythm. They got their uh, start and their name years ago as kind of a reggae Hawaiian band. All the members are from Hawaii, but they actually didn't hook up together until they went to school in California and got homesick and uh, started playing music together. They ended up being a staple now at the Santa Clara University's annual luau, and uh, these days they're playing gigs all over the place. This is Island Rhythm. The song is Brand New Day off their debut CD, The New Voyage. It's just under four minutes long, and I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy. Watching gliders fly, feeling high like life had just begun. With the ocean tide came the melodies. Tired children working hard to play. Never let a single moment's time go by. On days like these, when hover dreams find time to sail away. 
shadows cross the highway as we make our drive. As worries fade, we drift away into the setting sun. 'Cause it's the way you feel at the sunrise. It's the way you know that you're home. It's the way it should be. It's the only way. That was brand new day by Island Rhythm on their debut CD, The New Voyage. Island Rhythm is Kevin Yee, Nancy Choi, Jeff Allard, and Leo Montero. You can find out more about them and see where they'll be playing at their website at islandrhythm.com, and I'll have that link for you in the show notes at hawaiiup.com. You know, right now they're doing a lot of private parties, but I know they're definitely going to be featured as part of the Milpitas Summer Concert Series. That's at the Milpitas City Hall. I guess Milpitas is、uh, just north of San Jose on August twenty-third. So if you're in California, check that out. Now let's check in with the wife. It's time for the Pith of Pop, the podcast edition with Jen. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Hi. So that was it. That was the big two-hour finale to the first season of Lost. What do you think? Well, you know, I wouldn't say exactly that I was disappointed. That's a bit strong of a、wow. word, but there were some expectations that I had for the last, you know, three hours, and they weren't met. So I feel a little bit let down, but not let down enough to say that it's not. Quality TV, you know, it's still a great show, and I'm still going to be front and center in September. Yeah, I thought it was a great episode. I thought, I mean, movie quality television. I suppose that one of the things they were giving us the hope of is that we'd have some answers to the questions that have been haunting us all season. But you're right; instead of getting big answers, we got a little bit of、uh, emotional resolution. We got a little, a few loose ends tied up. But instead of answers, we got more questions. Right, a lot more questions. 
A lot happened this episode. Right. Arts, the red shirt, met his fate. Exactly. Uh, I had predicted after they killed off Boone and when I said it was too obvious for him to be the one killed off, I knew that, uh, well, if Arts looks and talks like a red shirt, he's probably a red shirt and kablamo. Yeah, he, he blew himself up um, in the first scene. I wanted to see more from him because he's such a great character. But I, I'm accepting now that his purpose was to deliver the lament of the red shirt, you know, the, that soliloquy, the, you know, you don't appreciate us, but we're doing as much as you are. And just because, you know, we're not as fancy as you are doesn't mean we're not here and we're not helping out. Now, the, the many flashbacks continued. Right. Um, we saw Hurley in, I think, maybe the longest flashback. Um, you saw him um, through a series of misadventures finally getting to the airport. But the real point of it, obviously, was to show how he's continually haunted by the numbers. Right. If you if you watch his, his whole flashback, any opportunity to see a number, you see, you know, some combination of the magic six numbers. You know, you see him going... 23 kilometers an hour, you, s- you know, the gate number, the soccer girls, just the numbers are all there in succession. And we also saw Sun and Jin again. Right, right, um, and, but not exactly in the way we figured it would happen. Um, it turns out that Jin is the one that um, has the encounter later after, um, after the accident. He goes into the men's restroom and meets one of his father-in-law's henchmen. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. I was expecting to see what happened to Sun, but he was the guy that we were going to see that extra piece of. And we saw little bits of uh, other characters. We saw Locke, we saw Saeed, we saw Boone and Shannon again. Meanwhile, back on the island, lots of little developments. Right. Um, Charlie stumbled across the Beechcraft, which, of course, was full of heroin. Um, So he will probably have a little bit of a struggle with a monkey on his back next season. And uh, Locke got grabbed by the monster. Yeah, it was really disturbing and really freaky the way it looked. You know, you saw some mechanical things. Um, You saw something that looked like a dinosaur and it was all very freaky and then they they blew the thing up and when after that you saw this really freaky Harry Potterish smoke and it was it's all very surreal it was it was really quite compelling you know more than i thought it would be yeah the supernatural is alive and well danielle showed up and took claire's baby right she did um i i really don't know what the deal is with danielle you know, I thought she was with the others, but at this point, to me, it looks like she's just a grieving mother. You know, they took her baby 16 years ago, and it looked like she never really got over it. You know, I just can't figure her out because now we learned that she was one of the people that Claire tussled with when she was kidnapped earlier, but we also know that Ethan was central to her kidnapping, so were they working together, were they not? Is one part of the other? Is the other part of the other? I don't know. Uh... So all that's going on on the island, and meanwhile, there's a lot of stuff going on on the boat. Right. Um, Sawyer decided to go through all the bottles and read everybody's letters. I thought that was hilarious. You know, he's reading a woman's letter back to her husband, and he goes, but she's sleeping with <laughs> this other guy on the island. Right, and and he, um, he looked at Hurley's. He actually saw Hurley's letter, but he didn't know it was Hurley, and he rhetorically asked pretty much everybody, who is, who is Hugo, and how did he get all this money? Speaking of Hugo, Locke called Hurley by his real name. Yeah, I was wondering when he f- how he would have found out about 
his identity, how he would have found out his name. So many more mysteries, and the folks on the boat thought they were being rescued. Yeah, but that didn't turn out very well. We They got a little visit from the others. Yes, the appearance of the others, and all this time they thought when they said they were after the boy, that they were after Claire's son, but instead they took Walt. Yes, they kidnapped Walt. And at this point, I can't really tell if it's because he's a child or because he has special powers. I get, That's another thing we're going to have to wait and see. And, there, of course, there was the explosion on the raft. Yeah, you know, a friend of mine was saw them filming maybe a month ago and told me, you know, it's kind of weird. They chased me away when the boat was on the water. Next thing I know, I saw an explosion on the water. So I guess uh, those rumors were true. Um, and uh, so Walt gets taken, and at the same time, they blow the hatch open. But do we see what's in the hatch? Of course not. So this episode doesn't give us any answers. It just gives us... A couple of cliffhangers. Two cliffhangers. Not just one, but two cliffhangers. Right. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see. I'm I'm hoping that it's they don't take a Pulp Fiction-esque cop-out and, and say it's whatever you want it to be or or some other thing like that. I hope it's an actual definitive thing that does something else. You know, I hope it's it's not a metaf- metaphysical kind of thing. So we have to wait all summer to get those answers, and in the meantime, we'll have to talk about something else. Yeah, well, we've got a lot of movies on the queue. That is true. More Netflix reviews. In the meantime, thanks for joining us, Jen. My pleasure. Just today, I was able to catch up with a guy who I've known about online for years. You know, I have, as you might have guessed, many, many online obsessions, and so I can definitely appreciate the passion people can have about all sorts of subjects. And among the more interesting species out there, I think, are road geeks. These are people who are just bonkers for data and trivia and history about streets and highways all across the country, around the world, actually. You know, they know the intricacies of the interstate system, why this one goes here, why that one has this number. They know every exit number, every variety of sign. Uh, well, HawaiiHighways.com is a road geek site for Hawaii. And, uh, you know, it's been around for ages, and I've lived here my whole life, and I didn't know a tenth of the stuff that's archived at that site. And the interesting thing is the guy behind HawaiiHighways.com is a true road geek named Oscar Voss, and he doesn't even live here. Uh, HawaiiHighways.com inspired me so much, I actually tried last year to build my own road geek site for locals, HawaiiRoads.com. But, you know, honestly, lately I've just been sending uh, my photos to HawaiiHighways.com because Oscar really knows his stuff, and you'll never be the road geek he is. Anyway, Oscar is in town this week and next. Of course, notepad and camera gear in hand to get more information. Uh, And although he had to hop an afternoon flight to Maui today, he was kind enough to meet me for a quick sushi lunch. Well, I am here with Oscar Voss, who's behind HawaiiHighways.com, one of the best resources on on the highway system here in Hawaii. And uh, the real interesting thing, though, is that Oscar actually lives in Washington, D.C. So, Oscar, can you tell me how did you end up being in charge of the Hawaii Highway site? Uh, Actually, a friend of mine uh, who used to live in Hawaii, he had a site on Hawaii and a lot of other places, and... uh, yeah, he just couldn't handle them all, so he wound up uh, shedding his website empire, and I wound up uh, taking it from him. Uh, you know, that by that point, I had not visited Hawaii myself, but I knew I wanted to go there. It was the very last of the 50 states that I visited, and so I thought, hey, let's 
uh, do this as my first step at webmastering, and from there it grew and grew and grew. So how long has, have you been operating the site now? Uh, about six years from now, I think I took it over in 1999. You know, at first I just uh, hosted the, what had already been there uh, you know, by Mr. Slater, C.C. Slater, who uh, originally created the site. And then after I started visiting Hawaii myself, then I started adding my own content, including especially the the road photos and uh, historical information. So about how big is the site now? How many pictures, how many pages? I don't have a total page count. It must be, uh, I, mean, I know that there's about uh, three dozen photos pages uh, and about 350 photos, it, you know, including both my own and also uh, it, you know, some contributed by other people, such as Mr. Ozawa, <laughs> uh, and also other pages with the route list, uh, with detailed information on what state routes have what numbers and where they go, and also similar information for county routes and some of the historical routes that you see shown with numbers on maps, even though they uh, lost their numbers a long time ago. Now, Hawaii is one of those places where uh, the people who live here have no, don't even pay any attention to the numbers on the highways, whereas people visiting, they navigate entirely by those route numbers. I mean, what do you think about that? Uh, Alaska is exactly the same way. You know, I, I mean, it used to be that Hawaii didn't have route numbers at all. Uh, during World War II, the Army was kind of upset about the troops getting lost all the time because uh, <laughs> they were ha- having trouble handling the Hawaiian names, so they established a temporary route number system. Uh, but after the war was over, that kind of fell apart, and it wasn't until statehood came around and the I think it was then the highways department decided, mm, let's, you know, the mainland numbers its highways, let's, yeah, let's follow suit. Uh, so, it, so basically they have the numbering for the mainlanders and the tourists. <laughs> now, there is an enormous road geek community out there just all over the world, and they love street science, they love road trivia. And uh, uh, what do you think is the most interesting thing from the broader road geek perspective? What's interesting about Hawaii's highways? What's the thing that you like to talk about? the most? Well, something that, that uh, the people who are not really in the know always ask about, why does Hawaii have interstates? Uh, after that, the people, even the people who know that Hawaii has interstates, uh, they didn't know that Hawaii has four interstates rather than three, uh, because the Moanalua Freeway only recently got its number. interstate uh, signage. It had the number for about uh, 15 years before that, but uh, that, that used to be a big secret in the road geek community, and now the secret's out. So you came here to Hawaii, and you're going to be visiting some of our neighbor islands. Uh, what are you after most, and what's the mo- most interesting thing that you've found so far? Mostly this trip I've done historical research, uh, and uh, just made a lot of copies of stuff. So I haven't, sa- haven't found anything really interesting, except that I did get a copy from uh, my contact at DOT of a... Uh, the old wartime route number marker. Uh, those of you familiar with the U.S. route markers on the mainland, it looked very similar, except with Hawaii on the top instead of U.S. Uh, and when I hit to the neighboring islands, I kind of do some more uh, photography of some of the more scenic highways. You know, the Hana is one of my favorite highways on Maui. The Pi'ilani Highway back from Hana around the south side. Uh, back to uh, Kaolui and Wailuku uh, is 
one of Hawaii's classic bad roads, and uh, I hope it doesn't it doesn't get upgraded too much. <laughs> That's part of the charm. Yes. Well, that was Oscar Voss of HawaiiHighways.com out here on one of his hopefully many visits to further his research and improve his already excellent website on Hawaii's Highways. Thanks for joining us, Oscar. Thank you. Now, I know we're at the half-hour mark, but I just got to introduce you to one more cool fruit. His name is Jamie, and uh, we just sort of crossed into each other online. He found a music discussion over at Hawaii Threads and posted about some gigs there, and I'm setting him up now with a blog on Hawaii Stories. But uh, it turns out that Jamie was one of the members of Red Session. Now, that's a band that, uh, when I was in high school, it was pretty much the greatest, uh, best ska band in town after a long line of great ska bands. I like ska, and Hawaii had a bit of a ska scene, so I saw all sorts of acts down at uh, Pink's Garage, including Red Session. Now, uh, the band members moved to the mainland and took over much of California, but they separated eventually to do other stuff. It turns out, though, Jamie is back in Hawaii, and in addition to doing some writing, I've seen his byline in Honolulu Weekly, he's doing uh, more music. So this song is from Jamie's Red Session days, actually, stuff he wrote that didn't really fit the Red Session sound. They recorded it and uh, put it under the banner Stubborn Boogie. It's definitely got a ska tint to it, but it's, uh, well, it's also very different. The song is called Palimony, and it's about uh, not surprisingly, a relationship gone bad. So this is Jamie Winpenny and friends under Stubborn Boogie with Palimony. It's four and a half minutes long, so I'll see you on the other side. Your clothes are still scattered on the bedroom floor. Travel 
in it and wish me luck But I keep the old couch that we had outside And would you carry it away with all my pride You can keep the pictures on the wall They just remind me of you And all those scented candles Yeah, you can keep them too But with that pickup truck I got a way to get around And on that couch I got a place to sit down Penny and Friends as Stubborn Boogie with the song Palimony. How about that? That was a real great hybrid kind of ska and Frank Zappa and reggae all mixed together. Uh, Jamie is now jamming with a band called Mama Zang and they do original rock with reggae, funk and even some country in there and they've got a couple of gigs coming up so catch Jamie and Mama Zang. Uh, next Saturday, June 4th at Anna Bananas, and the following Saturday, June 11th at O'Toole's Irish Pub. Believe it or not, Jamie keeps pretty busy. He's also in an Irish band, uh, Doolin Rakes, and they have uh, regular performances at O'Toole's. So if you miss Mama Zang uh, on the next two Saturdays, you can still get your Jamie fix from Doolin Rakes starting in late June. They'll be there quite a bit. Well, you know, I think that's it for now. We're at an even 40 minutes. Thanks for hanging in there. If you've got something on your mind or have a question or two, please don't hesitate to drop me a line at comments at HawaiiUp.com or leave a message on the Hawaii Up listener line at 808-356-0127. I'd love to hear from you. Our awesome theme song comes courtesy Akamai Brain Collective at AkamaiBrainCollective.com. And remember, you can get links to everything I've mentioned today in the show notes at HawaiiUp.com. 
Mahalo iko olohe ana. Thanks for listening. Malama pono. Please take care. And until next time, uh, hui ho.